0: This morning's reading is from Ephesians, and it's the whole of chapter 1. I think the reading on the screen might end at verse 14, but we're doing the whole chapter. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority power and dominion and every name that is invoked not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Amen.
1: Good morning, everybody. I like that song, didn't you? Um, we We sang these words, you are the reason why we've come. So I don't know why you came to church this morning, but uh, part of the reason is obviously to be together, isn't it? But, but um, we're here to worship God and to to kind of be in his presence, to revel in his presence. So let's pray before I, I begin to uh, do my sermon. So I'm going to use some words from this passage we've just had read. So I pray. I I keep asking the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ that he may give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know him better. So Lord, may we know you better in your Son Christ's name. Amen. So today... We're going to begin a series on the letter to the Ephesians. I just need the clicker, Jane. Would you just pass it? Thank you. So, can we have the PowerPoint up there? Thank you. Uh, I I don't know that song we sang. It's a good song, isn't it? A good, uh, upbeat one. It said, we come from near and far. (laughs) Some of us... uh, so I think Jamie's probably the furthest away, you and Hazel maybe, and uh, where did you live? Burley, yeah? And some people live just across the road, so we're here gathered together <laughs> as the family of God. How are we doing with the, uh, with the PowerPoint? <laughs> so the reading I was, I was given was just the first 14 verses, and there is plenty in that to, to keep us going. But I wanted just to, uh, to dip into the second part as well. So so we'll, um, we'll see how we get on. How are we doing? Oh, there we are. So as I said, this is the beginning of a series on the letter to the Ephesians. And according to my study Bible, the purpose of this letter is to strengthen the believer's in their Christian faith by explaining the nature and purpose of the church, the body of Christ. Now I've put in Ephesus in brackets there because this, this letter um, unlike some of other, the other letters in the New Testament is not specifically addressing uh, you know, a particular problem or an issue in a, in a single church. It seems more that it was designed to be passed on, you know, to passed on to different churches, and uh, and by extension, it's been passed on to us as God's word to us. So let's see what we can learn from this letter. First of all, I'm going to show you a picture. Who do you think you are? Does anybody watch this program on the BBC? Yeah, uh, who watched it this week? Anybody? Well, don't spoil it for me because I, I want to catch up. Because this week it was about Richard Osman, wasn't it? That tall man who uh, presents Pointless. So I'm looking forward to catching up with that one. Uh, I watched one a, a while ago about Danny Dyer. Did anybody else see that one? Uh, apparently, Danny Dyer is related to the royal family. That was <laughs> that was news to us all. <laughs> but um, but. I think uh, we're kind of fascinated with those stories because it's about identity. Who do we think we are? Where our identity is so important, isn't it? Where do we come from? What family do we belong to? That's not so much an issue for us, but it was in uh, in New Testament times. You know, the, your family was was really key, um, as, as it is to uh, to us. But in some cultures, that's more important than others, isn't it? What, what family do you, be, you, do you belong to? That's how, how you introduce yourself. I think in, in Western cultures, it's more kind of what job you do is, is more important than what family you belong to. But nevertheless, identity is really important to us all. Um, so, who do you think you are? And more importantly, actually, in terms of the New Testament, Who do we think we are? Because our Western culture is very much about me as an individual, isn't it? But actually what God wants is who do we think we are as a community. And we'll we'll unpick a bit more of that uh, because this letter is very much about the church. What is the church and what's its purpose? So, who are we? This is what this letter tells us who we are what is our identity so i'm going to pick out some verses from the first part of this chapter this is who we are we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in christ we are blessed And we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So however Christ was blessed, when we read about him in the New Testament, that's how we are blessed as well. So that relationship that Jesus had with his father is now ours because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. That closeness and intimacy uh, can be ours because of Jesus, we're blessed and actually the the words before this uh, in the text say in the heavenly realms so it's not just about here and now our blessing is now for eternity in heaven as it is on earth as it is in heaven because God wants to bless us not just in this time but for eternity so we are blessed. Secondly and importantly, we are chosen. I wonder if, um, if like me, you've ever felt that you're not good enough to be part of a team or something, or you're, not, you're never chosen when it was your know, PE time, when you had to <coughs> be lined up against the wall, and you were the last one, or, or you, you didn't feel good enough to be chosen. And, and throughout life, If we're not careful, we feel that we're not good enough. But here, God uh, has chosen us to be part of his church, part of his family. Isn't that good? That we are chosen. And next, we are holy, blameless, and covered in God's love. Now, I want all these words to sink into us this morning. So we are wholly blameless and covered in God's love. Just let that uh, settle on you. Uh, a few of us who live in Bingley, that uh, that faraway uh, province, uh, we've been meeting on a Monday on a Monday night and uh, just getting to know each other better and reading the Bible together. Uh, this week, we. Uh, we're doing a series about the Beatitudes and this week we got up to um, the Beatitude that says, Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. And uh, we got very focused on a particular issue that was um, kind of important for us. We were thinking how shame affects so many people and um, the power that shame can have in people's lives. It kind of affects most people, doesn't it? Maybe something we did when we were younger, we're ashamed of, or the way somebody treated us or what they said to us has affected us throughout our lives. As we were talking, we thought, well, actually what we need to know is that we're loved. And when we know that we're loved, then shame loses its power over us. And when we know that we're loved, we can be open and vulnerable with each other. And then uh, we can build each other up in the faith. So, we are holy, blameless, and covered in God's love. That's you. There's more. We are adopted as God's children. So you're chosen, and you're chosen to come into God's family. Isn't that great that we're God's family. God is our Father, and uh, in that song we sing sometimes, He's a good, good Father. He's good. And we are His children, and together we are brothers and sisters. So just have a look at your brothers and sisters this morning. <laughs> okay, what wonderful people we've got together. Um, so you are brothers and sisters. Next, our sins are taken away and we are forgiven. We are forgiven. So whatever we've done, whatever we're going to do, God will forgive us. Next. And this is a key verse in Ephesians. We will be brought under Christ, Christ's headship. I'll just read this verse. It's verse 10, isn't it? It's um, it's quite a long rambling sentence. but uh, it's, So, this was God's good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth, and on, sorry, on earth, under Christ. So, God's plan is to bring everything, all things, in heaven on, and on earth under Christ. He wants to bring everything... To unity. In other words, to put things right to how they should be. Uh, all things. So God wants to bring everything under Christ. That's people and places, parakeets and possums and, and everything. Okay? So that, that, that's something we really need to hold on to when things go wrong in life. That God's plan is to bring everything together under Christ. So while you know, we, we witness so much suffering in our world, uh, what's going on in Ukraine, we think what on earth is going on? But God's plan is to bring everything, all things together under Christ. So essentially for us this morning, that's about uh, unity, that God wants to bring us together under Christ as our head. Uh, next, we're told that we're marked as belonging to God by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a guarantee. It's like God has um, given us his Spirit to, to, to encourage us, but to, as, a, as a sign of, of who we are, that we're kind of stamped with God's approval with the Spirit. And, and all this is, is coming together uh, under the title that Jeremy gave me, God's People Living God's Plans. We are part of God's plans. Okay. And um, that's, that's, that's amazing when you think about it, isn't, isn't it? That, that God would trust the likes of me <laughs> and you to be part of his plans, to bring everything uh, together in unity under Christ. I don't think God needs us to do that, but he chooses to use us and to, to, to kind of welcome, welcome us into his plans because that's the God he is. He trusts us. Even though we're going to mess up, we're going to mess up big time, God still trusts us To uh, to handle this massive project, to bring everything uh, together in unity under Christ. So that's a bit mind-boggling, and it's it's very uh, humbling, but it's also an encouragement for us that God wants to use us in His plans. Uh, As I was uh, preparing for this sermon, yes, I did prepare. um, I came across this, uh, this passage in this commentary. It's called the Theology of Work Commentary. Here we are. It says, the letter of Ephesians tells the story of God's cosmic work. Basically, that God's got a, a, a massive plan that takes in everything. Uh, God's cosmic work, beginning before the creation of the world, continuing in Christ's work of redemption, leading up to the present moment and beyond. It draws us into this work both as awestruck observers of the drama and as active participants in God's work. So it would be enough on its own that we were, that God had chosen to love us but he not only does that, he chooses to to use us as active participants in his work. So he wants to use us. And, um, you know, that's, that's really what we, we need to be thinking. Are we, are we acting? Are we doing what God wants us to do? That was lovely last week, wasn't it? When, were you here last week when we had that, that uh, fun day in the, in the park across the road? It was a bit wet, wasn't it? But, but I, I think we had a lot of fun, didn't we, really? Yeah, we did. <laughs> and we met a lot of people. That's part of God's plan. We'll go into that a little bit more later. <clears throat> so, how can this be that uh, all those things that I was drawing out of this passage that I've said are true about us, this is our identity, that we're called, we're loved, we're forgiven, we're part of God's, we're included in God's plans. How can this be? Well, this is who we are because of Christ because we are in Christ. And in this letter, um, this phrase, in Christ, is used so many times. There's a bit of debate as to whether St. Paul actually wrote this letter, but I'll assume that he did. Um, but in this letter, even in the first few verses, verse three, four, six, seven, nine, 10, 11, that's seven examples, isn't it? Uh, This phrase, in Christ, is used. That must mean it's important, must not it? It was used so many times. We are in Christ. Wow. That you and me are in Christ. And as we've read, God's plan is to bring everything to unity under Christ. So, just want to tease out what this... uh, to be active participants in God's work. Uh, we're going to need some help to be active participants in God's work. So here, Paul prays for us. This, the second part of this chapter is basically a prayer. And Paul um, prays that we will be given the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know God better we may know God better. Not just know about God, God's sat up there somewhere. Not just know to know that, but to know that God is our Father, to know God intimately as a good, good Father. Now that takes us uh, time and practice, as all relationships do, don't you? You have to work at a relationship. Um, but actually some of our work in relating to God, is just about being still. I think <laughs> I was with uh, I was with a bunch of clergy on Wednesday at the Bishop's Study Day. That doesn't sound like a lot of fun, does it? But it it was, it was actually. And uh, but part of the Study Day, um, Bishop Toby was there and he was introducing some people. And one of the vicars there uh, had actually had a breakdown and she said that she just got burnt out and she took some time off and, and in taking the time off she thought she'd better uh, spend time in prayer. But what she said was she didn't ask God for anything. She didn't, give, she didn't uh, kind of reel off all the problems. She just spent time in God's presence. She just sat and, and asked God to be with her. I wonder, I wonder if you ever do that. Just sit and ask God to be with you. Probably that would be a good way of spending your time. Let's, why don't you do that today? Let's, we'll do it later in the service, but in your own time, you know, just ask God to be with you. Don't ask him for anything in particular, just ask him to be with you. Because he wants us, as his children, to spend time with him and to know him intimately. So what else does Paul pray for us? He prays that the eyes of our heart may be enlightened so that we may know the hope to which we are called, the hope. Hope can be kind of a bit of a a kind of loose word, can't it? In the Christian sense, it's it's a strong word. Hope is, is sure, it's a sure word that God is going to, going to come through with his promises to bring everything in unity under Christ. We are called we may know the hope to which we are called, our inheritance. Inheritance, we are God's children. And uh, God's got an inheritance for us. That's that's in the here and now, but in eternity as we, as we uh, just dwell in his presence in eternity, uh, as his children. So, we, we're called at our inheritance and the power at our disposal. This is a, an amazing bit of this passage, actually. The power that is at our disposal. This is in verse 19 and 20. His in, uh, Pippa used this, said this word correctly. I can never say this word. His incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Just, uh, just stop and think what, what on earth that is saying. It's saying that God gives us the same power that he he used when he raised Jesus from the dead. Isn't that amazing? That same power now rests on us and in us through the Holy Spirit. The power. So this is who we are. We have a hope, we have an inheritance, and we have power. We are the church, part of God's plan, To bring all things in heaven and earth under one head, even Christ. The church. And as we go through this series on, on Ephesians, this is what we're going to be we're looking at. What is the church? What's its purpose? And what's my part in that purpose? We are the body. And uh, St. Paul uses this image quite a few times, doesn't he, that that the church is the body of Christ. In uh, in Romans, it talks about, you know, one is a hand, one is a foot. Uh, The hand's not more important than the foot because we we need each other to do what God wants us to do. We are the body. And um, here's another quote I came across the other day. A head without a body, so Christ is the head, we are the body. A head without a body is incomplete, as the body renders the head complete, so the church fulfills God's purpose for Christ. Christ isn't, Jesus um, isn't physically present as a human being anymore, but he, he dwells in his church, his body. So, we now are called to fulfill God's purposes. That's astounding, isn't it? It's amazing. So, the church, we are recipients of God's grace and participants in the ongoing work of glorious restoration. The restoration of all things, including in Friesing Hall. For God wants to bring everything. Everything under Christ. Shall we pray? I'm going to use these words in Ephesians again. May God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. So, Father God, we pray that this will be true, this will be a reality in our lives, that we may know you better, we may have hope, and we may be Give us of hope to our community. And may we realize the power that is, is within us. The spirit of Christ. Amen.